We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in Max's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger, and we have reached the finale of the 2023 NFL Draft for Dummies series, and we end it with one of our favorite guests of all time, Mr. Mark Schofield of SB Nation. How are you, sir? First of all, I thought you were having a stroke there. I wasn't quite ready for that little that little wind up and you know intro right there. I didn't know what was happening. I mean, Chris seemed fine, so I guess it was okay. So I should have known, and you know, I, I should know coming in. I've been with you guys long enough. I love you, gentlemen. Um, what to expect? But first of all, you're having me as the finale. You're the finale. That's a questionable sir. decision. Listen, That's a questionable decision. Well, first of all, well, we what, make it, a lot of those. what it is is. It goes in order of what Drew feels is going to be the pick at twenty-seven, or what I okay. think is, or what I think is the most popular conversation or the most important conversation to our draft that year. You know, last year we, I, I get it. Last year we ended with cornerbacks. Did we or did we not take a cornerback in the first round? A lot of years we'll talk about defensive line or linebacker, and it ends up being a thing that kind of comes up in the top. So there's a method to the madness that we have here. Not a lot. I just figured you ran out of people to invite. You were like, we'll bring the <laughs> F1 guy on We'll <laughs> talk about receivers. So so we got to give you a little bit of run here before we get into it. SB Nation's do it all, man. You talk football. You talk draft. You have all kinds of content being put out there. You're an F1 writer, and the question I have is, do they make you wear an ascot while you do that? Like, is that a prerequisite? Like, when you're writing the article, you have to put one on? No, not yet. Racing gloves, though. Racing gloves? Racing gloves <laughs> on. 
But I will tell you, I, I don't have them on me. So, hey, fun story. Red Bull sent me some sunglasses. <laughs> they sent me two pairs of sunglasses from their, their, their little, you know, thing that they're doing with blenders eyewear. So I've got these mirrored, like, dark, dressy kinds of sunglasses. And I've got pictures of Verstappen. You can find Verstappen in, you know, the ads for these as well. And they gave me these huge, like, you know, rainbowish wrapper outfits that I'll be wearing on the beach this summer. So I'm going to have to start wearing those. Also, check this out. Lando Norris, Mark Schofield, sit down next Tuesday. Nice. Live from Azerbaijan. <laughs> I won't you. be in Azerbaijan, but he'll be there. We'll be chatting all things Azerbaijan, all things McLaren. I'm going to ask him about playing Call of Duty with George Russell. It's going to be a fun time. See, I, I know for a fact that there's like, 20 to 30 listeners right now who just fist pumped in the air because you're talking F1. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's Chris, true or false? F1, white collars like sport. Yeah, your credit score better be above 800 <laughs> if you're watching yeah, F1. Your race. credit score has to be a 680 or better for you to appreciate yeah. F1. <laughs> Yeah, it's that kind of sport. Look, I mean, look, there's NASCAR, and I look, I love both. I love NASCAR as well. But they're two different fan bases. We'd love to see them intermingle a little bit. We might see some of that, you know, certainly down in, uh, down in Texas. We get Circuit of the Americas. You get a little overlap there. I don't know if we'll be that way in Vegas. I mean, that Vegas race in November, they're pricing everybody out of that thing. <laughs> I mean, you better, you better have, it's, it's a dose commas event kind of thing if you're paying to get a seat. To see Jeez. That Man, see, yeah. Chris, look at look at what we're missing out on by not being a fan of F one. But we get fancy things over here at the Rock Pal Report, like this ridiculous looking glass Chris just parked in front of me. Now, Mark, you can see this every week. He gives me a drink and he gives it to me in a more insultingly feminine glass. Like I feel like he's doing this intentionally. That was a definitely intentional, based on last week. Yeah. So, so last week I made a joke that if the, the glass he gave me and the glass he was also drinking out of at the same time, I told him that if I was at the Cheesecake Factory and I saw a guy at the bar behind me drinking out of that, I would tell the bar manager that he sexually harassed me just to have him thrown out because I can't be comfortable with that in the room. <laughs> so, yes. That, that, this is what we do over here at the Rock Power Report, Schofield. We have very few boundaries. Um, so I have, a, I have this cocktail. Now, you, back in your lawyer days, you used to be more of a drinker, more of a... I still am. It's just, look, it's not so much the fact that I've changed careers that has changed the drinking habits. You're just it's a happier fact... human being. You don't feel like you need these? No, th no, that's <laughs> certainly not the case. What are you talking about? No, that's not the case. The case is the fact that when you get north of 45, the hangovers last a week. True. I mean, that's the main thing. Like, if I go into the third or fourth bourbon on a given night, I'm feeling it the next day. Like, All right. It used to be four of those for dinner and let's go out. Now it's four of those over the course of a couple hours and I'm still probably not okay for a day or two. So that's the main reason. Now, of course, back in my lawyering days, it was more of a, I'm going to self-medicate with a bottle and a half of wine <laughs> if I'm going to get through Sunday night to, to – to, to see Monday morning. And part of me is probably hoping it's some deep, dark recess of this horrific thing I call a brain of mine that maybe I wouldn't see the next morning. Well, yeah, all my problems would go away anyway. You're like, listen, this sucks. I'm not happy with this. We'll just booze. I know what that's yep. like. You and me see like we're not so different, you and I. Now, no. this cocktail, it's 
it smells there's there's definitely notes of like a fruity something in here now you can see it it's like an orangish hue for those of you watching on youtube there's almost like a granular thing happening there there's something floating in it which means he either put fruit in it like strained it in there chris am i getting close I mean, there is citrus in there. Okay, so there's citrus, and I can see pieces, which means it wasn't a concentrate. It was either fresh squeezed or it was a peel of something. I, I don't, don't do know. any concentrate bullshit. I'm not a hack. <laughs> but it also has to be a thin liquor if it's this color, because bourbon would have made it too dark. All right, here we go. Okay. So there's a bitterness to it that almost makes it seem like you did one of those. Mm. Either that or it's grapefruit. But there's like a note of black licorice in there that makes me think you did that stupid absinthe wash thing again. I, I did not. I actually have, I am drinking a cocktail I made for you like a month ago called Remember the Main, yeah. which is sweet vermouth, uh, rye, and uh, cherry hearing, and then you spray the glass with absinthe. What but is this? You have what is called a captain's blood. Okay. It is two ounces of rum, and I used an Atlantico private cask. And then an ounce of lime juice, an ounce of simple syrup, and then a quarter ounce of velvet falernum. See, look at this. Like he's ma- he could be making that up, Schofield. I don't know because I'm trash. Like I'm, I'm seriously googling it. I'm like I don't. I'm I'm calling ball on this one, man. Yeah, it's captain captain's blood cocktail. Do you do you at no, least no. like it? Do you at least like? I it? I like that. It, it is palatable. In fact, I could crush this and drink about five more. How how much alcohol is in this thing? Well, it's two ounces of rum, and then all the, the liqueurs the, yeah. and the sugar, which will push it through my system. Oh yeah. no, this is a death sentence. Wait, that's happened. a death sentence right there, my friend. As you oh. hear a bit more of it, can I let me? I'm let me kick off the wide receiver talk because Mark, you're going to be talking to Drew for the next 45 minutes about wide receivers and tight ends, and I apologize to our audience for not getting this out last week when we had EJ Snyder from Bootleg Football on. I'm Love just, this is my only question of the show, and I'm doing it strictly for the audience. Mark Schofield, I need to know, are there any wide receivers in this draft class that can play linebacker? You fuck. <laughs> you fuck. Uh, now, 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 do you know why maybe he's Maybe Quinton Johnston? Do you know why he's asking this? I've got a pretty good idea. I... Got drunk on a podcast and admitted. Now, I, that wasn't it wasn't an exaggeration. I admitted that for the longest time, I've lived my life. I've watched the Bills play, right? Like, we all know who Steve Tasker is. I voluntarily admitted that I thought he was a linebacker. For spe- like, I, I was like, oh, he's a special teams linebacker. And everyone, Mark, it became a thing where people were tweeting at him constantly about him being their favorite linebacker. And then, like, he started liking the tweets, and it's like, oh, no. No, don't do that. Oh, Tasker's getting it on the joke. Oh, no. It's like, oh, no. Someone explained it to him, and this is bad. This is bad. He now knows I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> well, I've been on shows with him before. I, I've chatted with him in Indianapolis. So I'll be sure the next time I'm, I'm chatting with him to tell him that, you know, when I was growing up watching Patriots-Bills games. He was my favorite special teams linebacker. You're my favorite special teams linebacker. And he's going to be like, yeah. you know, I keep hearing this. What is this? <laughs> like, what is be like, like, how much time do you have, Steve? Because <laughs> there's a podcast that I go on a lot. They're, they're two great friends of mine. They're lovely, lovely guys. Um, and they think the world of you, and in particular, your skill is one of them believes as a special teams linebacker. <laughs> as, a, as a linebacker. Yeah. 
So let's let's start this off with just setting the table for the draft, right? If you look at what the Bills are at wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, preeminent talent at wide receiver in the NFL to this day. 100 receptions plus, a 1,000-yard-plus difference maker, no matter how you slice it. He's entering the twilight of his prime. Gabe Davis, entering the final year of his rookie contract. He's got highs and lows. You know, I, I mean, I guess, uh, what do you think about Gabe Davis as an outsider? Like, I think that, like, in terms of touchdowns, he's outperformed all the guys drafted behind him combined. And he has more touchdowns than anyone drafted after, after Justin Jefferson. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of in the category of somebody that probably expected a little bit more um, from Gabe Davis, say, the past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were going to carve out more of a role for him, and I think a lot of the moves they made around the receiver position in the last season, bringing some familiar faces back and things like that, is probably an eye to the thinking inside the building that maybe they too expected you were going to get a little bit more. But I still think he's a very good wide receiver. He's not, say – somebody you're going to look at that now or in the future will become a wide receiver one type. And I know we use the wide receiver one, mm-hmm. two, three designations, but you know, it could be a solid wide receiver too. Now the question becomes, is that going to be enough to get out of him in next year or the year after or is, not? Is it enough for you to invest in him long-term? And that's yeah, where that's the other question, like, and that's where this draft drafting a wide receiver starts in terms of conversation, because behind him is just, I put it in quotes, a bunch of guys. You know, yeah. A second year of Khalil Shakir, who showed us some things that we liked. And and I think he's going to take on a bigger role next year. Like I think We all be, hope he did. Cause yeah. In all honesty, you can't get the, the way the Dolphins game went. He, he has this one drop that everyone just, oh, my God, I can't believe he dropped that ball. He's never been on the field. You trusted yeah. a rookie in the biggest moment yeah, he's not going to be perfect. Why? Because you didn't give him the runway to really kind of ramp up his game. You benched him all season and then expected him to show up for you on game day when it mattered. That's not how this works. You need reps. You need he needs to catch some live balls from a quarterback who has an yeah. arm like Josh Allen. And then they have some free agents who have upside in Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield, but they're they're not exactly household names nor will right. they ever be. And then a bunch of practice squad fodder that I can, I'm not going to dignify them with airtime for a team with a Super Bowl window who hit rough patches offensively, the way the bills did last year, specifically in that Bengals game. It was like, they yeah. knew how to play us and they knew that the rest of that wide receiver depth chart was shit. They said, listen, double and triple Stefan Diggs. Fuck, fuck everything. Just else. Don't let him beat you. Don't yeah. let him beat us. There isn't a person out here. We're worried about and it worked. It worked impressively. I guess, like, I don't know. Is what we have on paper right now at wide receiver good enough for Josh Allen to compete for a Super Bowl in an AFC that's gotten tougher year over year? I mean, on paper, no. I don't think it is. I, I, I think you need an addition here. Now, the tricky part is, and as I know you guys know what I'm sure we're going to talk about, it's not the best year to have that need. Nope. You know, this this wide receiver group is a bit thin, to, to say the least. And, you know, Bob McGinn and the work that he does with Tyler Don, like he put his wide receiver tight end, you know, today when we're recording this. And basically it was just quote after quote from 
you know, scouting directors, scouts and the like, just basically saying, we've had all these great wide receiver classes in recent years. This is not the year to need a wide receiver. The other is most of these guys are kind of on the smaller side. It's like a bunch of slot types. Yes. And that's the other thing. Like there are a couple of guys, Quinton Johnson for one, but he's got, you know, some issues. There are some other types in this class that you might look at and say, you know, I, I kind of like Jalen Hyatt. He does one thing. He does it well. He's a vertical receiver. You know, Xavier Hutchinson is another guy. Cedric Tillman is another guy. But those are guys you're probably not going to draft at 27. I mean, those are probably guys that you're looking at more day two, round well, two, maybe even round three guys. And so this is where this conversation gets interesting because I just aired today. I recorded it on Monday. We're doing this thing where we split our podcasts. And so now I have the ability to remotely record from my basement bar. It's Twitter spaces. Let's get it right. You're do doing it on- Twitter spaces. <laughs> I do Twitter spaces, but I have a pod track. I have three laptops sitting on my thing. I have one for just stats and things I want to read off, one for just some notations and some things I've jotted down, and then one for the pod, the laptop I'm actually recording on. And I sit down there and I do a spaces session and I, it's just, it gives other people the ability to like, cause we always joke about, Hey, call in if you know. It's one of our favorite right. gags on a podcast yeah. where you can't call in, except now you can. So if anybody out there listening has something to say, here's your form to do it. And so I did one on Monday about draft tea leaves and how in a vacuum, all of these pieces of draft, you know, connective data between teams and prospects and who you signed in free agency and where you're, where you were looking pre-draft and where your scouts were during the season and at pro days and at combine visits. Individually, it doesn't mean much, but when you kind of put it all in the same bowl and swirl it around, you start to get a picture and everything tells me, right? Like, when you look at this and you see that the Bills have met with every wide receiver, all of the first-round prospects, and then a glut of the day two, day three type guys, it almost feels like they're trying, because you, know, you see the Jim Nagy tweet where he's talking about how yep. wide receiver four and wide receiver eight aren't that far apart. It almost feels like they're trying to talk themselves into that. Like, let's investigate everybody because we need to make sure that we're not missing out on something special before we say, hey, we're going to be okay if we wait till the back end of the second round because we'll still get a decent wide receiver. And, like, do you agree with that assessment of this class? Like, that might be the smart move is to wait till the back end of the second round and see who's still there because you still have the ability to move up. If you want to, Bean, Chris, has shown that he's not afraid to move around the board if there's a guy there that he wants. But he's like, you would let the value of that class come to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let me sort of frame it this way. We were doing like wide receiver rankings at SB Nation and a lot of different writers have contributed to these and put these together. We all sort of voted on them. JSN was the only one that got like, you know, he got all but one first place vote in our rankings voted. Like the only one that got another vote was Quinton Johnson. Everybody else was like anywhere from like like Zay Flowers got votes as high as two, votes as low as eight. Uh, Jordan Addison, high as two, low as eight. Josh Downs, four to like seven. Like the gap between everybody after JSN, I think, at least in my mind, because JSN's my favorite of bunch, it's not that big. Like it's very narrow. Now, what also makes it tricky is what kind of receiver do you want to draft? 
Like if, if you're the Buffalo Bills, are you going to want to go after sort of a more X type player? Well, you know, that's probably somebody that you can get in the second round. That's probably somebody you can get at 59 because all of the top guys, they're all slot types. And that's it. Like that's... you're probably not going to do that at 27 because there's a lot of overlap with the three guys we just talked about that are your one, two and three going into the year. Chris, these are the moments that make me sound smart or feel smart because I said that a month ago. I was like, look at this wide receiver class. They're mostly slots. I don't know. I'm more impressed that you just crushed that cocktail. Dude, it was dude, it's rum. Do you do you understand like now here here's where your problem is. I'm in your house. Rum turns me into basically a pirate. Like yeah. I I just want well, more you rum. Have the teeth I went more, through and I'm going to steal and pillage life, to man. get more rum. You have the teeth for it. <laughs> Yes. And this is the Rock Power Report. This is this is what we do over here. This is a professional podcast. Professional podcast, folks. So I guess then that so the makeup of the class really does like you're not going to find because I kept saying last year, I'm like the bills. You have digs. Right. If you're talking about X's and Z's and you're trying to spell it out schematically, you need that other guy. And yeah. Gabe Davis has been a like all of his career production came when they lined him up in the slot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like that sucks. It sucks to say, but all of his production comes from here. If you found yourself, whether you're looking for a replacement for him long term or whether it's just let's make 2023 the year that our wide receiver core is the most dynamic it could be. You need to find a guy who could play on the boundary. If you're going to go early, if you're going to say, Hey, we still think Gabe Davis has unshown upside out there on the boundary, and we're going to try to get more dynamic in the middle. You obviously have a lot more options yeah. with this class the way it's designed. I guess the other question I have in terms of class makeup is how many of these guys do you think are first-round locks? Honestly, it, it... If I were put, this is a, this is an over under I'm staying away from mm-hmm. just because I have a feeling that because of the way the game is trending, because of the emphasis on the passing game, we will probably still see. Well, Jameson Williams, look, Jameson Williams, it's a point I've made all summer or all offseason. Jameson Williams got drafted in the top 15 last year with a torn ACL. If teams think that you will someday be a good wide receiver, they will spend first round draft capital. Jamison Williams, I think, was a different story because I think if Jamison Williams is in this draft class, he's probably still wide receiver one. It's probably okay. JSN. But like DraftKings right now has the over under at three point five, and over that's about right minus one fifteen. Do you think it's about? I almost right? want to take the under there. Okay, because honestly, I look at JSN. And I look at, it seems like Zay Flowers has moved into the, some teams might even like him as high as wide receiver one, but it seems like he's safe. And Quinton Johnson, okay? Like, those seem to be the three. Now, there's some late buzz about Mingo. Maybe he sneaks in. Um, obviously, there's been talk about downs throughout this wide receiver, this draft season. So, maybe he gets in. Addison seems like... Well, let me ask you, I was going to ask you about Addison because he's a guy who... During this draft tea leaves thing that I did on Monday, I talked and it just got released today, which it's out there now. Our listeners hopefully have already listened to it ahead of the show. But if not, go back and check it out. The Bills have scouted not only two of his games in person, 
They met with him at the combine. They were there at his pro day. Then they bring him in for a private workout. What is what do you see in Jordan Addison at the next level? Because it seems like the Bills are paying an awful lot of attention to this one guy. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a very quick athlete. He's a ball winner. Um, he's probably the reason that Kenny Pickett was a first-round pick, like, honestly. Because you look at Addison and what he did when he was in Pittsburgh. Ball winner, bailed him out a number of times. He, he was listed at, like, 173. Probably plays a lot bigger than 173. Like, in terms of just his play style, his physicality, his mentality. So I really like him on film. But, like, people look at what he did with Kenny Pickett, and they can't help but look at what happened in USC. And it's like, why is there a bit of a drop-off here? Why is there a bit of regression? So I think there's some questions there. You know, he's probably – he probably sneaks into the fourth round. But, like, I don't feel comfortable saying that we're going to get four – I don't feel comfortable saying that there are four first-round locks at the wide receiver position. What I think is crazy is that uh, Jordan Addison, from a RAS standpoint, terrible. Yeah. Didn't test well. And that was a surprise. At all. Did not test well, though. Yeah. And so maybe that suppresses his value a little bit. Like it's And just... he did that at 173, which is what he weighed in at. Like so, so now you have to wonder, like, what is he? Is he actual? Like, maybe that's why they're doing. Again, they've done their due diligence, as I've detailed in my our previous podcast. I'm not going to earbeat you guys about that. Go back and listen to it, and then, in fact, pause it now. Go listen to that and listen to the rest. Yeah, of the then show. come back. Come back. No, Good because time. it's important. The second thing I said during that show is that the wide receiver position is far and away the one the Bills scouting staff has spent the most time on this season, which is a. Stark departure from previous years. You're talking about a regime. Bean has drafted five wide receivers, zero on day one or day two. Not a single one. Almost every team in football has taken at least a third round pick at wide receiver in the last five seasons. Buffalo is a stark outlier. And so... You know, we just recorded a show. It was one of these after dark things where I get a little, we get a little booze in our heads and we just do a YouTube exclusive thing. And I was talking about when the bill come, I talk about when the bill comes due. And this is what happens when you're the team that doesn't draft any high caliber wide receivers. You find yourself in the position that the bills are today. You have a disgruntled wide receiver one who's not at OTAs because he's tired of carrying the load and he's not figuring out why we go into every divisional game and lose. Why do we make it here and we get our asses kicked by somebody? Like what? What is wrong with this? And why does it always feel so broken? Why do I never have any help? <laughs> What's going on here? They also... Like the top three wide receivers from pro day to combine, whatever, the top three guys in this class, they've been all over them. Yet there's no chance of them getting there. So I, my thing has been, I think they're trying to talk themselves into that, the meat of the draft and saying, listen, if we can get to a day two guy, if we can get to a Jalen Hyatt, we like, if we can get to on day two, uh, you know, one of these, uh, What's his name? Rice out of SMU. Oh, Rashid Rice. Yeah, yeah. If we can get to some of this, what do you think of him as an NFL prospect? I like him. And there was a a portion of this draft cycle where I thought maybe he had some first round chops. Now he's sort of you know fallen from there. But I think again, you know, 
big time production, 100 catches, over 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. You know, I think he's a good vertical type of threat. I wonder if when he sees press more at the next level, how he'll fare against that. Sure. But yeah, when you're talking about, you know, day two, second round, third round, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the thing I like about Rice, the reason that he's on my list is because I look at him and I go, you have the size that I could project you as a boundary receiver. Yeah. But also, if you turn into Gabe Davis 2.0 and we take you on day two, day three, I didn't lose anything. I just right. didn't have to pay Gabe Davis. And yeah. Gabe Davis and his 20 touchdowns, like 20 touchdowns isn't nothing. It's just your inconsistencies are not like I'm not going to pay you upper echelon money like that's right. like really you just watch the bills do it with Tremaine Edmonds. They said, listen, where we are cap wise, we can't afford to keep you, even though you seem like you're ascending. You yep. seem like you're hitting it. You're just a little inconsistent. And maybe we- so maybe the first round pick is Jack Campbell. And then they turn around and yeah. go, OK, we owe it to our quarterback to get a tight end, get a get a wide receiver. I look at a guy like Rasheed Rice and I go, you could be what Gabe Davis was right out of the box. You could be the guy that you're right against press. He'll struggle. That's been Gabe Davis's thing. But he's got a 9.3 RAS score and great 10 and 20 yard splits. So if you let him get off the blocks, he's got chops there. He's got size he can win with. Good agility grades. I mean, basically, he was compared to Chris Godwin by Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. Yeah. And I think. Like, that's something the Bills could use a taste of in their offense with a little bit of size, some hands. They could make him what Gabe Davis is right now as the right. floor. And, and maybe know, let's he not forget. Him. Let's not forget that a lot of times teams look at the draft as that's for 24 and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's when you find yourself drafted for need, you're probably at the top of the draft board and you're drafting a quarterback because you need to have a quarterback, which yes. means – you're not in a good position as a team right now. You're coming off of a losing season. So you're trying to you use free agency for needs. Now, I know the Bills were in a different situation with what they had to do and could not do, like you mentioned with Edmonds. But now that might mean in a thin linebacker group, number one, you use that first picket linebacker. And then because the difference between wide receivers four and 12 might be such that you'd be happy with wide receiver 12 on day three, even or at least late on day two, 
rather than doing that at 27, maybe that's the pathway they go because you're still probably going to find somebody that can at least contribute. And if they become Gabe Davis plus, that's great. You don't have to pay Gabe Davis next year. What do you think about Marvin Mims Jr.? I wanted, I really wanted to like him. <laughs> I really wanted to like him. And like, it just didn't quite come together for me. I mean, like, you know, he had a very good combine and that's going to help him because if nothing else, look, you run the time you ran, you show some hands and he's had some big game catches as well on the field, but he looked well during workouts, had a good combine. He's going to be like the receiver version of Will Levis and the coach him up itis, which is that speed, that those hands, what we saw at the combine, we can make that work. Okay. Cause like, it just seems like his competitive toughness, you watch him run block. That's the thing I like out of any wide receiver. If you're not 200 pounds, I need to see you run block. And I watched him do it. Yeah. So I feel like you can coach that up. I feel like you can oh, make yeah. that work at the next level. Coach him up by this. That's what I was just basically I saying. Know. Like, I team's going to look at it and say, get that guy in our system. We can do it all with him. The problem is, is that there's a line that people are drawing from him to Diggs, and they go, well, he could be Diggs. This is similar height, similar athletic profiles and size, but they've got that same feistiness. And it's like, yeah, but guys, Diggs is one of one. <laughs> You're not going to yeah. recreate a guy yeah. who went in the fifth round who's going to come out and do what he did. Right. I, different, different. Tom Brady's different one of one. Uh, yeah. how, how many of these guys were later round picks, blew up, and now teams have killed themselves trying to recreate it, right? Gronk, right. Travis Kelsey, like the tight end hill. So with that in mind, we're before- doing the whole Brock Purdy thing this draft season. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, who's who's going to be the draft Brock Purdy of this class? It's like maybe Brock Purdy was just found himself in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. He's one. <laughs> so before we shift gears to tight end, are there any other wide receivers that you look at the Bills roster and you think to yourself, this is a guy who if they took whether it's slot, whether it's – because realistically, you just need to get more explosive as an offense. Who's a guy who you think day two, day three could come in here and help the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, Hutchinson from Iowa State, um, you know, maybe he's not a pure burner, but I do like him. He's like a true X. I think he could work. I know there are people that really like Tank Dell, the Houston kid. And be honest about him because his name has hit my ears too many times to not know who like anything about him. Like I, I will say a couple of things about him. He's an incredible route runner. Um, he didn't quite test well, given that he's five eight one sixty five, and that's oh, a legitimate five eight one sixty. Yeah, he, that's a legitimate five eight one sixty five. Because not only did I see him in Indy, I sat next to him at the gate because we were on the same <laughs> flight out of Indy. And as I was texting some buddies, like, I don't know if you want to draft an NFL player that's legitimately smaller than me. Like, I don't know if you want to do that. So, like, there is that. There is that asset. Mingo is trending up boards. Like, there's an idea that Mingo could be uh, A.J. Brown type at the next level. Um, you know, and I don't know if part of that is, look, oh, it's a Mississippi receiver. Oh, that's we could go down the, the A.J. Brown comparisons. But – he said if there's a receiver that's actually generating buzz as we get close to the draft, it's Mingo. I've seen some people sort of nebulously kind of say that maybe he gets into the first round. Now, his best role might be a big slot guy, which is you've got a bunch of slot types already. You're just going to have a 
guy that's a slot receiver, but he's just a little bit bigger than the others. When we're talking about you might need a boundary guy. So, no, I've mentioned Tillman. I like Tillman a lot. Um, you know, again, bigger body type guy. Doesn't have ideal speed to be a burner X type, but good body control, can box out, can win in contested catches. Although I always have to add the caveat when you talk about, oh, a guy that wins in contested catches, that's a great thing, right? Well, it just means he couldn't get open. Like, and contested catches 50-50 balls in the SEC, they're, you know, 40, 30, 70 balls at the next level. All right. Like, I, I guess the thing is, is that I've, like I said, I got hammered and I was just talking about this idea that you as a GM have done your offense a disservice. And now it's manifesting itself. Like, the bill eventually comes due. You've got disgruntled players not showing up for OTAs. You've blown important football games because you just didn't have the horses that your opposing defense had. I, I don't know. I feel like this is where it comes back to haunt you, but I don't want to see a gross overcorrection where you reach. And I feel like, Chris, true or false, our GM is a little too pragmatic to ever do that. He is. Like, he, I still feel like they want to take a defensive end in the first round or a defensive tackle just because of... Yeah, just that's what they do. Just because it's what they do. The tight end position... Like, if we're going to talk about that, this is probably the last time tonight I'm going to get to pat myself on the back, so I'm going to do it. Like, I'm I'm an admitted narcissist. I don't care about other people's feelings. I self-congratulate. It's a thing. For tight ends, this team has not committed significant capital to the position ever. And... Usually when you hear a fan say that, Schofield, like it's hyperbole. It's me being like, well, it's been five years since we took a fly around. Right. Dawson Knox was drafted in 2019. It was the highest drafted tight end since Kevin Everett in 2005. Okay. As a third round pick, Kevin Everett, like that whole story, that was tragedy. And he was the second highest. Since the Bills spent pick number 61 on Lonnie fucking Johnson back in like 1990, what, Chris, 94, 95? By the look of Schofield. I was still in high school. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know what I'm that's about? a long time ago. Lonnie Johnson was the last time this team gave a fuck about tight end. I was going to say by Schofield's face, it doesn't look like he knows who Lonnie Johnson is. It you shouldn't. He scored six career touchdowns. <laughs> it, it, it hasn't gone well, and there's a reason that if you talk about Bills tight ends, the only one anyone knows is Pete Metzelars, because he was the only one worth the shit, and he wasn't even drafted by this franchise. We do not do tight ends well as a franchise. We don't scout them well we don't put any time or effort into trying to cultivate that position now i want to ask you how many franchises do in your opinion not many i mean that's just it like and the teams that have figured out tight ends a lot of it was just dumb luck i mean did there was some excitement about travis kelsey from a trade space perspective but nobody saw this coming i mean gronk i mean Gronk was a second rounder. Kelsey was a third. I mean, tight end is just 
it is such a hard position to to develop. It is such a hard position to make the leap from college to the NFL. And with the way the game is being played more and more, where if you've got a kid that can block like a tight end needs to in the NFL, he's probably going to be an offensive tackle in a in a college system. Well, like and this is it. And if you've got a kid that can run routes, he's probably going to be a receiver. I made an analogy right? during that Monday night show that I recorded about Again, go about listen to that. Go listen to that. If you haven't listened plain donuts, and I think it bears weight here. If you're the best blocking tight end in, in your collegiate draft, you are a plain donut with no frosting, no sprinkles, yep. nothing. I and don't have to rush get to get you. I can, three? I can walk down and get you. I don't have to yeah. run. I can stroll, I can casually stroll down and still get you. If you're the best blocking tight end in your draft class, have your draft party on day three. Exactly. Right? You're so, not getting your name called before that. So with that in mind, it's interesting that the Bills have literally between pro days, combine visits, you know, their, their, their internal visits privately, and then the games that they've scouted. It's the veritable who's who of tight ends this year. Yeah. And I guess I have to ask the question, is this the deepest tight end class in the last decade? Because it feels like Absolutely. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, prior to the combine, Jeremiah had his pre-combine conference call and he said that look he's got a, a day one or two grade on 11 tight ends which he's never had before. i think the highest we've ever seen i forget what year it was was eight in the first three rounds we probably do get 10 maybe 11 in the first three rounds maybe even more than that just because of the depth at this position and the subsequent lack of depth or talent or however you want to put it i'd say wide receiver in other positions like if you're looking for somebody that can contribute as a threat in the passing game, you could maybe draft a guy like Tucker Kraft, the South Dakota State kid, who's a very good tight end, and know exactly what you're going to get. And you might prefer that to, say, one of these receivers we just talked about who you might see in the same spot in the draft. See, and this is where – so in your opinion – if you had to try to stack these guys on top of each other, because I've heard, and it all comes down to fit, right? Realistically, right. to your point, tight ends, it depends. Do you want a guy who's just a pure receiver? Then you're probably looking at a Michael Mayer who seems to project more like a Mike Gesicki type with a little bit more finish. Luke Musgrave gets talked about by some outlets as the top tight end who the Bills have met yeah. with. That then there's Dalton Kincaid, who they haven't even talked to. What is the difference between them all? Like, if you had to slot one through four between Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave, and everybody in between, who's your top four in this class? The Notre Dame kid's one. Because um, I think he is the most complete type that you're going to get. Now, okay. Laporta, the Iowa kid, mm -hmm. Iowa's one of the schools that actually – you know, they do a lot with two tight ends. They typically have one guy that's more in-line guy. That's been a Kittle. You know, that's been a Hawkinson. Like, they also have the move type. I remember the Hawkinson Fant year. I was all excited about Fant, but it was Hawkinson that was playing in line. And you saw that he's been able to make the transition. So, Laporta's a guy that's on these sort of outside. Maybe he's four. Maybe he's five. Um, you know, I like the Notre Dame kid, like I said. Kincaid 
is probably the most, say, dynamic, the most complete receiving threat. And I've walked him first off the board out of the tight end group to Green Bay at 15 a lot because I think he'd be a perfect fit there. But he's not a perfect fit everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I think perhaps for what Buffalo would want to do, Mayer is probably the better fit for them. Laporta might be a better fit. Uh, Musgrave might be a better fit. Again, um, he's battled injuries a lot. But, you know, size, speed, maybe not the best blocker of the bunch. So he's maybe more in that Kincaid type mold. Um, Like I said, I like Tucker Craft a lot. The interesting one is Washington. And he's sort of a – it's – He's so big. He's so athletic for his size. He's so powerful, like, as a run blocker. Like, you could at least know that when you draft him, if you've got a guy that you're going to look at as a more vertical threat or more of a receiving threat, you can put him next to your tackle and run, you know, off tackle behind the two of them up and down the field, and you're going to get five, six, seven yards a pop. Well, and this is where Darnell Washington comes into play for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Because not only did they, he, he, he's been here for a private workout, they've scouted him, you know, Dean Kindig, TC Bills underscore Astro. Uh, he has his war chart where he kind of tracks where our scouts have been all year and just what games they've been at. And he charts it, tracks, tracks the players who are playing those games, how they performed in front of our scouts, and then the subsequent scouting activity that's gone on since then. And he loves to show off his work. So, guys, reach out to him if, you, if you're interested in this. When you say that to me, what I, what I go to is, last year we paid O.J. Howard $3.5 million guaranteed and then cut him before the season started because he was a robot with no speed, no getup. But they knew what they wanted. They wanted to run 12 personnel so badly that they said, listen, we'll try to will O.J. Howard into being TE2. Now it seems like they're doing their due diligence on this thing. And then you take it a step further and you go, okay, a first-time offensive coordinator came in and said, hey, I, I maybe don't know all the ins and outs of RPOs and how to craft an offense that survives 19 weeks, 20 weeks, 30 weeks, 25 weeks, and still fools defensive coordinators. But I want to build a 12 personnel package that I can be multiple out of that by default makes you commit to the run. Maybe you play a little bit more base in response to that. It was in their minds. They ran it in the preseason. They ran it, and then they had to scrap it because they didn't have the personnel for it. So with that in mind, you look at a guy and their connections to Darnell Washington and you say that's a guy who, in theory, true or false, Schofield, they could bring in. Let's say they take him with 27. Let's say, let's say they trade back out of the first round, which is something we're going to talk about next week. They trade back out of the first round, but they take him with uh, the 37th pick, the 38th pick, because some team gets greedy, wants a guy and wants that fifth-year option. They go, well, that fifth-year option is important to me. I need that. And I've got the I've got the capital to make it happen. That's a guy who you could now pair with Dawson Knox, and you have a full tight end depth chart, and you have two guys who you could line up on either side of a tackle and know that you could run out of that formation with confidence. Correct? Absolutely. And to your point, Drew, about 
you know, getting teams to play in base, getting teams to treat that 12 tight end package as a big package. You're going to do that with Washington. You're, you're going to look at him and what he can do as a blocker and say, with him and Knox in the game, we have to treat this as 12, which means you're going to get him matched up against safeties. You're going to get him matched up against linebackers. And let's not forget, we're talking about somebody that is a very big human being. I mean, 6'6", 284? Two, I'm seeing 6'7", 280. That's incredible. That's 6'06 and a half, yeah. Now let me look at this. So Darnell Washington... RAS score. Yeah, so he's yeah, six six and a half. I found the unofficial RAS. Nine point eight seven. You have Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, because he ran at six six and a half and two sixty four, ran a four six five. Okay. So Chris, now uh, this is where I'll bring you back in. Cause this is an easy one. A layup, if you will. Uh you look at Tremaine Edmonds, you look at Josh Allen. How many times has this franchise said, listen, just give me the block of clay and I'll make them a football player? It's weird because we've never done that before. Like, I've heard the trace. Oh, wait, Dawson Knox? Well, where they I've, go, hey, he has no box scores at Old Miss, but guess I've, what? No, you see a I've, block of clay, I've, we can make him. I've heard Josh, Josh Allen, block of clay. And when you look at our history with quarterbacks, the last quarterback we drafted and molded was Joe Ferguson. So I mean it's it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, I, I get it. So so now for for argument's sake though, let's say they decide, hey, we saw the top of the mountain, but the board just didn't fall the way we wanted. We didn't get the trade back in order to justify a Darnell Washington. The where Whatever it might be that they don't, because I have this sinking feeling that even though the bill is due and they need a playmaker, they need something on offense, if they don't give it to us in the first round, day two, day three, who else is out there for us, Schofield? Who's a tight yeah, well, end that you've seen coming in here and helping Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, um, the old Dominion kid, Zach Koontz. Like, you know, very athletic. He's a transfer from Penn State. Only played in five games. Only had, like, 12 catches. But 6'7", very athletic for that size. So that's a name to watch. The Michigan kid, what, Schumacher? We've Um, met with him. They've scouted him and they've also met with him. Guy that can work up seams. uh, 4'6'3", at the combine, uh, 40. So, you know, big catch radius. A little faster than I think we expected. So that's somebody. And then... Look, Payne Durham from Purdue. Um, Oh, oh, on the list, Chris. Boom. Is it? I suck it. I don't have it pulled up. Let me go to it. Baby, I love the reason. Look, you watch his game against Illinois. One of the best ways to learn about a player, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, see who gets tasked covering them on a third and seven. Okay. Witherspoon, the Illinois corner that might be the first cornerback taken in the second half of that Purdue-Illinois game. Who was Witherspoon covered on third downs? Yep. And Durham. So that told me right there, look, if Illinois felt like they had to take a guy that could be CB1 in this class and put him on Purdue's tight end, when you still have Chris Jones on the outside, who's a very good wide receiver, who's you know a day three wide receiver, slot tight, but a good wide receiver – 
and take Witherspoon off of him and put him on Payne Durham tells me all I needed to know. And this is what I love. The Bills have met with him. They brought him in for a workout. They met him at the Combine. They've done a lot of scouting on him previously. And that's why he's on my list, Chris. And I love the fact that it just happens again and again and again. And you just have to deal with it. That sometimes I... There's nothing worse than doing these these draft series podcasts. (sighs) And I know none of our analysts that we've brought on, Drew has emailed his notes to. So it's, it's not fun for me to know that... The analyst brings up somebody on Drew's list. I'm so, very much of two minds right now because I, I, I'm getting some excitement at seeing the sheer joy in Drew's face over the past couple of moments, this moment like this particular pain, Durham. But then it makes me think, wait a second. Drew and I have, are of similar mind about something. Oh, no, that's bad. And that's an uncomfortable place to be. <laughs> no, it absolutely should be because everything, that, <laughs> in terms of the draft, I'm a reverse King Midas. Everything I touch turns to shit. So with that in mind, you look at what he is, and it, it's Dawson Knox-esque, right? Like 22 yeah. passes in high school. That's it. That's all he caught. Yeah. He comes into college. He's young. He's an experienced you think they would downgrade him based on production and pedigree, but to your point, defensive coordinators knew who the guy was who was going to hurt him in a pinch, and so they would put their best defensive cover man on him. Didn't so we're going to put our CB one on the tight end yep. for Purdue, who nobody fucking knows about. There's a reason yep. the Bills are scouting these guys because they're trying to figure out how can we flesh out this chart. Right? How can we flesh out this depth chart that has no depth as of today? And how can we make it more dynamic? How can we run this 12 personnel package that our offensive coordinator says he needs, or at least thinks he needs, and that he got robbed of last season? And realistically, if you think about the Bills schematically and what we are, the way Josh Allen plays, the way he likes to run off script, throw the ball around, 12 personnel would fit our offense really well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why they wanted it. You know, I, I think that's why Buffalo wanted it last year. I think that's why, you know, Dorsey had this idea of 12 personnel. I think that's why you brought in O.J. Howard. I think it's why, you know, whether it's the second-round pick or the third-round pick, you're going to see a tight end. It's because it makes sense for this team. It makes sense for – Okay, what do we say before every sort of Bills game, right? Every Bills game, they're going to play too deep. They're going to have quarters or whatever. They're going to try to keep stuff in front of them. Okay, you want to go with four deep and play a light box against 12 personnel? We'll crush you. Josh Allen as perhaps (laughs) a run threat. We will just run 19 power or 17 power behind Darnell Washington and our left tackle and just run it down your throats until you get out of that because the second you do – that's when we hit Stephon Diggs on a vertical route or Gabe Davis on a vertical route. Like, I look at this and I say to myself, you have a James Cook. You picked up, uh, uh, what's his face? Damien Harris. From, yeah. Oh, from, from your boys. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark, in fact, Matt Waldman made a comment to us during the running back preview and he goes, I was a high in a banaconda. And he goes, well, here's the thing. He goes, Right now, he, he's got a floor. He goes, if he gets better, he might be what Harris is right now. <laughs> and he goes, and Harris is a better running back than what you got out of Devin Singletary. You just don't know it yet. 
because you haven't seen yeah. it. Do you agree with that? That yeah. maybe Harris gives you a little more urgency upfield than Singletary was able to give? I think so. I certainly think so. I mean, he's a very good running back. And, you know, it's just typical Patriots being Patriots, Belichick doing business the way he does. I'm not surprised. And Harris seems to be happy. You know, he's talking about, you know, free at last on social media. Which is always, it's always great to see when your players go somewhere else that are just, like, overjoyed. It's like, you know, when a friend breaks up, gets out of a relationship, was just brutal. And everybody knew it was bad. And now they're thriving. And you're just like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. So that's nice. That's nice. So when you think about it, adding a tight end early might make a lot of sense for the Buffalo Bills, because to your point, maybe Chris, for someone who was really, really hard on Ken Dorsey last year, maybe he did know what he wanted and just couldn't get it. And this is their chance to right that wrong and go get him the dynamic second tight end that they can use to run a formation that when teams do go pass it, when the Bengals in a playoff game in the snow decide, hey, we're going to run all this slip screen bullshit and we're going to run up the score and you guess what we can do? We can slow the game down. Why? Because yeah. we can close the box, force you to come down and bring bring your base on the field and yeah. then we're going to beat you up. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to beat you up physically. And then, oh, by the way, we still can throw it to that tight end or that tight end or this guy and that guy. Do you think it's a smart investment in the top 100 for the Buffalo Bills to get another In this player? draft class? Yes. Absolutely. In this draft class, absolutely. Given the depth of this draft class, the talent of this draft class, of the tight end position, and like we talked about with the receivers, it's why when we started this discussion, I had that sort of idea that a team might have a need at the skill receiving position, or tight end, wide receiver, and decide we'd rather take the tight end this year when we're on the clock than the wide receiver. More tight ends or wide receivers drafted in the top 60? I still... Oh, man. <laughs> oh, see, Chris? <laughs> the fact that he struggles with that tells me everything I need to know yeah. about his tight end class. I, I think you it. probably get more tight ends, but it's going to be close. <sighs> well, I can't wait to watch it play out. What do you have... What are you doing on draft night? Like, how does Mark Schofield celebrate draft night? And what do you have coming up post-draft content-wise? Well, this year is the first year. I'm pretty much writing. Like, I used to be the the anchor leg of the Sigmund Blue Matt Waldman live stream. Not anymore. I got to be cranking out the content. Uh, SB Nation is going to want a round two mock draft for me to drop shortly after round one ends. I'll be writing up a lot of the picks over at SBNation.com. We'll be covering it all three days of the draft. And look, when the draft ends, we could qualify for Azerbaijan because we get the Azerbaijan Grand Prix going on draft weekend, and then we get the race itself on Sunday. So I'm rolling straight in from the NFL draft. And by the way, SBNation.com, we are unveiling an F1 hub. On yes! Monday. We are finally getting an F1 yes! section on the site. So I, I they, what's the phrase? If you build it, they will come? Yes! I am building it. Now we need the people, our buddy Mark, our good friend Mark. Yeah, our lawyer. There. Yeah, he's the only one who can afford to travel our around. Lawyer. For right, F1. right, right. You said to the <laughs> F1 pods and stuff on the timeline. Mark, I need you to come through for me in the clutch here, my friend. <laughs> I've built it. We need you all to come. Uh, Jesus. Schofield, we love you. I like. I love that we get together and do this every draft season. 
I hope nothing good happens to the Patriots during this draft. I hope everything goes poorly. I hope they take five more wide receivers who fail. I mean, look, <laughs> let's be honest here. This will be the year that they decide they're going to do wide receiver again in the first <laughs> round because that's the way they do this. They'll take Zay Flowers. Just, they'll talk themselves into it. They'll do I'll, it. I could see. I'm worried that they're going to do like a Quentin Johnston. And it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a Nikhil Harry two Nikhil Harry two where he can't catch, he can't get open. Is he the wide receiver and, you don't like? Because I found that out of all the guys you were willing to gush about, he was the one you just breezed past. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I, there was a time when I liked him more, but he's had a rough sort of pre-draft process, and I just, you know, he's not like a good enough player to look at as an X. He's got shaky hands. He had the one catch and run against Michigan, but it's like he was wide open on a cross or he showed some burst there. But yeah, I mean, he's the one that I'm like, it's, I saw a great discussion on social media recently where somebody was like asking, who are the players that you kind of like in this draft, but you'd rather another team draft them because you're kind of unsure of them. And he's that, he's on that list for me. It's like, yeah, I kind of like him, but I'd rather another team see if they can figure it all out with him. Chris, if he ends up in a Bills jersey, I'll, I'll literally burn this place down (laughs) guys thank you for showing up week after week throughout this pre-draft process i can't wait for next week where we talk about laying the landscape we talk about a lot of abstract thoughts doug's gonna come back and talk about his mock draft bullshit which for some reason you all reacted positively to makes you want to put a gun in my mouth but for tonight we gotta get out of here i'm drew geary that's chris krueger that's mark schofield And this has been your Rockpile Report. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.